Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Hey, everyone. Before we get started with the show, I'm excited to announce two things. First is that my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed, is now live on Amazon. So go get it. The second thing is we have a new sponsor, Qualified.com. I'm going to tell you about them in the next couple seconds here and also how you can get a free copy of my book thanks to them. So who are these people? Well, Qualified is the number one live chat and chatbot platform for Salesforce and Pardot. Sales reps can have real-time personalized conversations with who? Your hottest website visitors. So I want you to know, I don't just partner with anyone. I genuinely love these guys and the platform, we use it at my company. Our sales team loves it. We've closed a lot of deals based on it. Um, had a lot of great conversations with prospects too. So, you know, a lot of marketing these days is what? Hurry up and wait, right? Fill out this form. And then if we pass you over to sales, maybe you'll swap six emails with them to find a good time to talk. But what if a prospect is doing research right now and they would chat now? Why not give them the opportunity? So the best part is your company actually decides what leads are worth a live chat. There's a lot of noise out there. You don't want to talk to everyone. So Qualified actually connects to Salesforce and Pardot, and it's able to pull in lead and contact information. So you can specifically know if you're talking to a VIP, a VP, a decision maker. It's really kind of like magic. Now, if you don't know who someone is, well, what happens then, Casey? Well, that's when the bots come in handy. Chatbots can then ask you know, questions to further qualify a lead. Find out if maybe this is someone you do want to talk to. And they can book meetings while your sales team is out. And they can wake up the next morning with a bunch of meetings on their calendar. Now, here's the promo. If you are a company that wants to give your sales team this ability, right, to be able to talk to decision makers right when they're on your website, do this. Go to qualify.com and start a chat, right? They use their own tool, of course. Start a chat. Tell them that Casey sent you. If you have Salesforce Pardot, when you schedule and then do a demo, they will send you a free copy of my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed. Not bad, right? Well, it's only while supplies last. So hop on this thing today. And that's it for sponsors. Let's get to the show. We're live. And man, I am excited for this one. This is special. This is this is something that whether you're in marketing, you're in sales, wherever you're in business you're in, this is going to be something that you want to pay attention to. And oftentimes we have experts that talk and we do have an expert that has thought leadership in the world of sales and marketing, but there's something else here. Uh, she is an expert in emotional intelligence, behavioral science. And we know in the marketing world, we're dealing with behaviors all the time. So this is a great thing to unlock. She, uh, 2019 Inspirational Women in Literature, Media, and Journalism Award. Like, holy heck, she's on the show with us. Like, amazing. Uh, creator of the Curiosity Code Index, author, keynote speaker, nationally syndicated radio host. What? CEO of Tanera, Dr. Diane Hamilton. Welcome. Woohoo! Wow, that sounded great. Thank you. I mean, I, Thank I, you. I feel like I, I want to drop the mic right there, you know? You just leave now, right? That, we, we set them up. 
You know, it's, I, I survived that intro, but man, there's so much, you've been up to so many things. So much. It, once you've done enough years of work, man, it sounds like you've done something, doesn't it? Yeah. It sort of adds up a little bit there. Yeah, it does. Ooh. Well, you know, thank you for being on here because I, I really want to, you know, we have a lot of marketers listening, a lot of people in sales as well. And I, and I want to get into, and, and also my dad, <laughs> so a lot of people listening and, mm -hmm. and I want to really to dive into things. And so the way we do this on every show, let me grab this. It's heavy. I'm going to pass this to you. This is Thor's hammer. Ooh, so go ahead and take that. <laughs> And uh, smash for me some kind of marketing okay. myth or sales myth or just things you're seeing, misconceptions, maybe even around the, the emotional intelligence side that just drive you crazy. You want to set the record straight once and for all. Well, you know what I'm going to pick. Uh, I know what you're going to pick. Curiosity killed the cat. You got to slam that one. Slam. That one drives me smash. crazy. Smash. Because Curiosity you know, didn't kill the cat? Curiosity did not kill the cat. Oh, and snap. that's made up by parents who didn't want to follow their kids around and go <laughs> <laughs> get messing up into different areas of their house and get into trouble. But curiosity is what saved the company. And if we don't have curiosity, we're not going to have innovation. We're not going to have engagement. We're not going to have motivation. We're not going to have anything because it's the spark to everything. So oh, I'm just super passionate about curiosity. So when you hear that, uh, you know, people shouldn't ask questions, that everybody in agreement's a good thing, that is not correct. That means you have status quo thinking, and I want to shatter that as well. Okay. So, curiosity didn't kill the cat. That was just people trying to keep you following the rules, like right. stay between the lines, stay right. inside the box. Boring it, like me. <laughs> yeah. It, and so, creativity comes from that then. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Interesting. So if you're, if you're having trouble being creative, maybe you need to look at your curiosity first. Definitely. Curiosity. Okay. I give a talk about some of the different things that companies are trying to do. They're trying yeah. to improve creativity. They're trying yep. to improve innovation, engagement, uh, motivation, drive, all those things. Think of them like you're baking a cake, that those okay. are the ingredients. Okay. I hear that's hard though. I hear if you mess up one ingredient, <laughs> cake doesn't work. Well, in a cake, there's a lot of ingredients yeah. and you together right hopefully you'll put them all in there but you it, it you would mix them together you put them in a pan and yep. you put them in the oven so what would happen well if you don't turn on the oven you get goo right you don't yeah. get and that's what's happening in the workplace they want the cake is productivity right they want to improve all the bottom line and all right. that and that's the cake the ingredients are motivation drive innovation engagement all these things are mixing together but nobody's turning on the oven the oven, the spark, is curiosity. Interesting. So you could have all these really cool things in one place, but it, it and you still have goo. You still have yeah. goop. Yes, still have goop. Jeez. Um, and so <laughs> tell us, tell us how to identify this. How do how do we know if we're in a gloop factory? <laughs> well, I'm gonna tell you how I just what I discovered is yeah, yeah. What we're trying to do here is get people more curious, right? So right. if you want to find out if you're curious or not, you, you can take an assessment to tell you, well, are you curious? How curious? But that doesn't tell you much. It just tells you if you're high or low curiosity. And we've had like the big five factors of openness for experience, for example, is a personality assessment that'll tell you that. But okay. that's fine. But it doesn't tell me what's stopping me from being curious. And so yeah. that's what I wanted to find out. And I researched it for years 
worked with a lot of psychometric metric statisticians and a lot of like specialists and came up with the, a way to determine the things that keep you from being curious and yeah. found four, four factors keep people from being curious. And so if you can work on those things, then you can become, uh, develop your sense of curiosity that we've had uh, basically squelched. Yeah, I could see that. The man, school. School life just tells you stop being curious so <laughs> well you know uh, ken robinson has a great um sir ken robinson has his ted talk and so does george land has a great talk and they both talk about how some things we're educated out of some mm -hmm. of this stuff right yeah. you get into school teachers have to teach maybe science and math are higher uh, on their chart maybe they don't have time they have to teach to the test i mean there is some of that that some of the creativity some of the curiosity some of the things that we naturally have uh gets pushed aside so mm -hmm. that we can get higher and higher degrees that maybe don't even focus on the things that we really need it to, to be truly innovative and now somehow you've gotten your doctorate and you're still you're still curious so they didn't they didn't beat you <laughs> they tried they, they tried, tried. They tried. Well, you know, I was always curious. And in fact, I wasn't one of those people who really even wanted a PhD. I just wanted to see how hard it would be. <laughs> really? Yeah. Was it hard? Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. But it, it. it was hard. You know what it was? It was discipline and its tenacity mm. to be able to write 200 pages or whatever it is you have to do and to, to, to go through all the rules and to follow the guidelines. Um, I think that everything is only as big as you blow it up in your mind, you know, and I, I worked as a doctoral chair and I'd help people get through their doctoral process and wow. people kind of tease them and say, how do you eat an elephant? You just eat it one bite at a time kind of thing yeah. because it's, it's challenging if you look at the big picture, but you, you know, bit by bit, everything's a little bit easier. You know, um, I've heard that phrase before so many times <laughs> that I decided to calculate it out at one point. <laughs> And I, and I looked up, uh, uh, it was like a, an African forest elephant okay. and it's roughly, you know, like 10,000 pounds or whatnot or, and, um, and you do the math and then I was working with Christina to figure out, well, you know, into ounces, right? Google helped with that. And then it's like, well, how many ounces can you eat at a time in a bite? And then how many times do you have to chew that, you know, one bite at a time? How many bites do you have to, it's like, it's like 60 something thousand bites. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot to it. Well, hey, one at a time, it's not so bad. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But that's so funny that you'd look it up. See, you're curious. I love that. Curious. Now, I want to get into these four as well, these four things that prevent us. Are mm -hmm. some people just more naturally curious? So mm -hmm. some people aren't. And then if you're just not well, curious, you'll never be curious. more. Yeah, we're all very curious. I mean, we're all born with the curiosity gene. The Max Planck Institute coined that phrase. But if oh. you look at animals and the wildlife out there, birds won't just stay in one bush because they're going to run out of berries, right? So they have this natural right. curiosity that you get rewarded with dopamine when you have curiosity to make you go to the next bush, make you go to the next thing. And so we all have it. Got Some it. of us have different personality types as anybody who's taken a Myers-Briggs test or any of these kind of tests, if whether you believe in that one or any other one, uh, a lot of them show your preferences for certain things are there at birth, whether you're introvert, extrovert, that type of thing. Right. Some of us have more of this kind of thing than another, but we're all held back by these four things mm. and just in different, uh, you know, depending on um, which ones we're looking at. For example, right. just what the four are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're fear. Assumptions. Assumptions would be the voice in your head, Ooh, yeah. uh, technology, and environment. 
So if you have an environment like Steve Wozniak, where your dad's bringing home all these resistors and says, here, let me show you how this works. This is the electricity. This needs to go to this for this and that. Okay, so yeah. he's helping him explore his curiosity. His environment's actually beneficial to him. Right. You know, some people have, Elon Musk talks about his family being a, a detrimental and he did, a, I'll show you kind of thing uh, in spite of his parents. Right. So environment can be different in so many respects, in a positive, negative, and, you know, different kinds of ways. But it is an impactor one way or another. And so that was one of the things that I looked at because environment could be your teacher, your family, your friends, your coworkers, your boss, your past boss, or social media. You think of how many things that we go along with just to get along, right? Right. So environment was a huge one. And I know I started at the end, but- uh, Well, real quick on environment, I was just chatting with someone on the team on, on an earlier episode and in anyone who's like following us literally will, will have heard this Daniel Cordell on my team. He said he grew up, his parents let him drop out sophomore year because he was helping his dad with Adobe and doing creative design. And, and, and his parents created that kind of environment for him too, where yeah. his dad was like, yeah, you don't need that either. Let's go, let's go learn some more stuff. And he was, you know, yeah. he, was, he was launched and now he's trying to do the same kind of thing for his kids where he's, He's creating that kind of different environment. Yeah. yeah I, I think my generation, not as much as newer generations would be more apt to do that. But right. I, I think that we're going to see more bite-sized pieces, uh, elephant bites of things instead of the whole elephant right. in our right. education system. So I think environment has a huge impact uh, for me. You know, my family, everybody was sports fanatics and I didn't like sports very much. And oh. so I'm like, well, what I like seemed really kind of stupid to everybody else, right? And so then you go, well, well I thought business was kind of interesting, but right. I don't because I'm supposed to like sports or whatever it is. You know how you are you're as a kid, you're very influenced by your siblings. And yes. so there's all these things that as you get older, you go, well, I don't have to listen to what my silly brother said or my teacher who didn't know me very well or what, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you get older and you just go, okay, I got it. I, I, I see these things have held me back. Now I can create an action plan. So that's your environment, but let's, you know, it's really fate is the acronym to make it easier to remember. So let's start with fear. Um, fate. Oh, I like fear. that. Yeah. So fear, assumptions, technology, and environment. And we already <laughs> hit on environment. So let's go to fate. Um, uh, fear. fear. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Fear is uh, pretty, what I expected right off the bat, because I put a, a link into LinkedIn, a thread about, you know, what is it that's keeping you back from being curious to people on my network? And since I've got nearly 30,000 people, you know, you get all kinds yeah. of Yeah. Wow. It was great to see what people respond because a lot of it came up as fear. Nobody wants to look stupid. Nobody wants to look unprepared. No, you know, you're going to be in a meeting, you're looking around and you're thinking, hmm, I want to ask that, but I don't want to be the only idiot in here who asked that question. How many, I mean, we've all done it. Yeah. You know, you're just going, well, I don't know. Casey, why don't you ask? That's a stupid <laughs> idea, Casey. Casey looks yeah. stupid, right? That's a dumb idea, Casey. Like, oh, oh, okay. Right, right, right. So we all have been there. And yeah. then social media you post something you know and somebody says something mean you know there's so many things that'll make you shut down right and i had a leader look me in the eye and said i pretend i didn't hear that well what you know that means you don't want me to tell you the truth you don't want me to ask questions you don't want me to be honest you know, whatever it is you don't want any conversation uh and i've had huh. uh, you know i've had leaders who look at people and say don't come to me with problems unless you have solutions don't 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 and you hear don't, don't, don't enough, 
you're going to get a lot of don't, you know, nobody's going to do it. Right. And, and I, and I give talks, uh, often I talk about a social experiment where they, um, looked at status quo thinking. And a lot of it is for fear of looking, uh, different than everybody else. And Mm -hmm. what they did was they, I, I don't know if you've seen this experiment, but they took a woman to a doctor's office. It was an eye doctor. And she thought she was getting her eyes examined, but it really was a social experiment. So everybody around her were actors. Okay. She didn't know it. And so every once in a while, a bell would ding, and then everybody would stand up and sit down, and they didn't tell her why. And she <laughs> no, they didn't tell her? No. They're just, she just looks around, you know, and everybody's standing up, sitting down. And so <laughs> after a few times, she stands up, and she sits down with everybody as they ring the bell. Wow. They if she would go along with social learning how many dings did it take just a few it wasn't many and so after a while (laughs) well let's see what happens if we take all the actors out of the room and she's just alone in the room you know oh my gosh they call people back like they're getting their eyes examined everybody walks out eventually she's the only one left they ring the bell what do you think she does she She gets up and she sits down right because it's social learning everybody's doing it i'm gonna do it i don't care (laughs) So let's bring people in who weren't actors just to see what impact that'll have on them. Right. Bring in people. That first guy sits down next to her. The bell rings. She gets up and sits down and he looks at her and he goes, why'd you do that? And she goes, everybody else was doing it. I thought I was supposed to. So what do you think happens when the next bell rings? Does he do it? Yeah. And then everybody else that comes in, they get up and they sit down because everybody is just getting up and sitting down with the bell out there. That's status mm. behavior. Yeah. And that's when we're in meetings, that's what we're getting in the workplace. Nobody's asking why we're standing up and sitting down. The bell rang. Time to do it. Yeah. Time to make the donuts. That was it. Time to make the donuts. <laughs> and when I was younger, you just do it. That's it. Right. And so and when you're doing that, you know, I in and you don't want to not do that and be the one okay. looked at like, oh, who are you? going counter culture here so fear you know should we go through the rest of these or should we talk about how to attack them yeah well let's go through them and then we'll attack them okay Uh, cool let's say assumptions are the next uh yeah it is yeah and so assumptions are your uh the voice in your head so let's say uh you constantly tell yourself i'm not gonna like that that doesn't sound good that's gonna be a lot of work Mm -hmm. i did that in the past he just gave me more work and no pay I mean, think of the things you tell yourself oh, uh, yeah. that shut you down. I mean, it happens all the time. For sure. In, in assumptions, the voice in your head, I, I've seen a psychological experiment where you hold a glass of water and you just, you know, I do this with a crowd and I'll say, so uh, how heavy is this? And people will yell out, I don't know, 12 ounces, seven ounces, sure. whatever they yell at. And you'll say, well, if I hold it for a minute, no big, the weight doesn't matter, right? Right. But if I hold it for an hour, then my arm starts to get tired. If I hold it all day, my arm starts to feel paralyzed. Right. So that's how our thoughts are in our head. That, mm. you know, you get a fleeting thought, eh, no big deal. After about an hour, you're starting to just bothering you. You know, you hold on to it for a long time, then you're paralyzed by it, right? So you got to put the water down. You got to put these thoughts down, but you have to recognize them. So it can uh, get crushing, right? After too very, long of those thoughts, you very, can't move. Right. Yeah. It's a huge problem for so many people. So that's, that's the assumptions part. And then um, technology, we talked a little bit about like Steve Wozniak of how he was, you know, very much influenced by his environment and technology. So some of these things are overlapping, but I think of technology, I often think of my mom with technology, just her generation. <laughs> <laughs> Do not give your parents all the Apple uh, 
Right, right. Technology out there, you can um, tech support for sure, right? I mean, lessons in patience. Watch them put their their email address in on the Apple TV remote. You'll be there for. Yeah, my dad. If he's actually listening to this, you got to get rid of that AOL address. That's just that's not it's not working. You got <laughs> email all the way. <laughs> I like AOL. You should keep it. No, I I I mean they were good, you know, for this right. time. And I, and, totally. I, and I think a lot of older people feel like they're going to break things. They mm-hmm. think that I don't want to wreck this. I'm going to destroy something if I move this or right. and everything seems really fragile. So they don't have that in intense desire to figure out how things work because it's just something that's not from their time frame, right? But we have a lot of people who are on the other end of that spectrum who really don't understand how uh, your Echo device came up with that calculation because they don't know the math behind right. whatever it is, right? And they could have been the next mathematical genius out there had you given them much more foundation, but they've totally just kind of relied on this stuff and don't know that. Right. So I think we could under and overutilize technology, which will inhibit us in multiple ways. Right. If it's just sort of we're just taking it at face value and it's serving up everything, then right. what's there to wonder about? Right. Uh, and, for sure. You know, yeah. If it answers your questions without giving you any pause to wonder uh, and explore, if it's just, if it's too simple sometimes, uh, if there's yeah. a... It's like putting yourself on a mountaintop instead of hiking to the top. Is it as rewarding? (laughs) Speaking my language. I love mountains. I love mountains. Right. Just getting dropped via helicopter at the top of a peak. Yeah. Would you rather have that or a hike out of the Grand Canyon and get there that way? Yeah. I mean, you're going to get out of the helicopter and be like, it's cold. And (laughs) let me get back in. Let's go get a dinner. You know, like you didn't really earn it, so you don't really enjoy it. But if you've been uh-huh. below tree line for hours wondering, is this going to, yeah. what's going on? Yeah. You see it, you're like, I okay. had the discovery. That, yeah. you know, and that's what we had. We had that desire as kids. And so we've had a lot of this change throughout our years. I mean, right. at age five, we peak. And then the rest of the time, we, we've lost so much. And it's a lot of due to these things that we're talking Where about. Where do you see the tech being the most curiosity killing? Like, is there a particular kind of thing we should just put down a lot of people don't feel comfortable exploring and so they don't look into other technology or they've just learned the last version and they're like do i really wanted to go through that again so they have time sometimes or they you know there's just a combination of things i think a lot of it can it depends on what their generation which they grew up with it if they felt afraid of it or if they're younger and they think, well, why do I need to bother? It already does it for me. It, it, there's so many aspects to it. Yeah. So I, I think having, you know, I've seen Simon Sinek talk about, you know, leave your phones outside the meetings and do certain, you know, have low tech days, high tech days, different things. I think you need to explore. I've had, you know, so many people who are experts on my show talk about different, you know, aspects of curiosity and motivation and drive. And it yeah. all ties into all this. And to get really innovative companies, you have to have foundational aspects as well. Right. You know, the, the study, I don't even know if it relates, but just it was fascinating to me around the cell phones was leaving them on a table reduced eye contact by some double digit percentage, you know, something ridiculous like 40% or something. Well, because we're just kind of always kind of looking, you yeah. know. <laughs> and, and even if you turn the cell phone off, and uh-huh. you knew it was off, but it was on the table. It still reduced eye contact and conversation. So, like, I've got a group that I meet with, and I always tell people, okay, right, phone's off the table, please, because 
I might even be guilty. I'll be looking at your phone or we'll all be looking at our phones instead of looking at each other. Well, I, I agree. And I think in Simon's talk, he was saying, leave them outside the door, go into the meeting, have some real time. You know, I, I one of the places that my husband and I go for dinner, I, they don't let you have phones. And, you, you know, you just you have to actually talk. You know? <laughs> they don't let you have phones. No, it's a private air, uh, club that we joined and you, they don't, you can't even use your phone there. Oh, I like that. I, I kind of like it once yeah. in a while. You look around and go, hey, people are talking to each other. That's kind of novel. Wow. You don't have a table (laughs) with like, yeah, all the kids are on iPads and the parents are on their cell phones. You're like, why are you guys even out to dinner? Like, what's going on? Nothing. It's great. Yeah. That's cool. Okay. So the fates, the fates are here. How, how do we, what do we do with it? Put them in check. Yeah. Right. Well, okay. So now we know, let's say we want to deal with fear. And actually what people do is they take the curiosity code index, which is the assessment I created. And they take 36 questions. They give them nine answers for each of the four areas of just different aspects of fear, assumptions, technology, and environment. Okay. okay so you've got your results. It's not unlike- Is there a web address that we can go to do it's that? curiositycode.com. Sick. Uh, or you can go to Diane, uh, sorry, drdianehamilton.com and the curiosity stuff's all at the top there. Okay. Um, but we'll put we'll put links in the show notes yeah. for this too, but that's great. Okay, so there's this it's quiz. and you take it, and it's similar to taking like an emotional intelligence or a Myers Briggs or a DISC test, you know, and it gives you you know 28 pages or you know what the PDF it gives you, and it'll give you all your results for all these different areas. And at the end of the, each section of fear, assumptions, technology, environment, you would create sort of a an action plan, kind of a SWOT oh. analysis, a personal SWOT. Yeah based on your results. Okay, so these are my issues. This is how I'm going to overcome them. This is how I'm going to make it measurable. And this, these are potential threats and how I'm going to overcome them. And so you develop this whole plan. Now, that's if you took it online. Um, you could do it that way right now. If you work with your organization, organizations are taking this um, as, uh, you know, we're having HR people give it or consultants give it. So on my site, consultants and HR professionals are becoming certified to give it within cool. organizations. Yeah, and they get five hours of Sherm recertification credit. So it's a really great for everybody. And when they give it, you know, there's a couple exercises they do. Uh, you know, it, in the work setting, we add a, an exercise that's kind of an action plan for leadership based on what mm. we've learned in our personal action plan. And uh, so for, let's say for fear, we're going to work on, you know, this fear of uh, maybe we feel we're going to look stupid if we talk about anything or if we ask questions or whatever our, our situation is. So I, what we have people do is come up with suggested ways that you think you could get over this and have uh, recommend this to leadership. Oh, I would okay. like to present about XYZ idea at a meeting, but I get to pick the co- topic at first. So I know I'm comfortable with it. And you just baby step into where you feel oh. comfortable. That, so and, it gives you that sort of like ideas on what to do. Right. After. It'll okay. give you an idea, and, but then you take it from there. And, and we work with leaders to have them realize that it takes them being vulnerable to show that they're willing to do this too. You know, yeah. that they, no question's a dumb question. They, they're going to show you by asking dumb questions that they would normally not ask. Right. Because we all have that imposter syndrome, right? Yeah. Oh, everybody thinks I'm so smart. I better pretend I'm super smart and not ask this. True. Something. Especially right. if you write a book, then you're supposed yeah, to know yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah, I'm supposed to know everything about you. Are. But it sounds like you do kind of know everything. So. <laughs> I don't know about that. But if you ask me a question, the smart thing for me to do if I don't know the answer is, hey, that's a good question. I don't know. Yeah. I'm gonna look for it. When I find out, I'm going to tell you. You know? Yeah. 
I mean, that's what we were taught in sales. You're teaching marketing, sales, those kinds of things. That's what we're taught. And I was in sales for decades. I would taught marketing wow. for all the things that, you know, we, we know these things, but we don't really do them sometimes. Right. And we need to do that. So for fear, you know, and that we do the same thing with assumptions. If we've told ourselves that we're not going to like something for X, Y, Z reason, and, and it's going to be too hard. And, you know, we need to come up with different things that we can do that we thought we wouldn't like. Maybe just read a different section of the newspaper every day. I thought I wouldn't like business. I thought I wouldn't like sales. Right. I thought I wouldn't like whatever it is, you know, that we've told ourselves. Uh, take a different direction to work. Look for different things. Uh, keep your mind open to different ways of doing things. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes it's just asking simple questions of, of people that will bring about new ways of viewing things. Because we all look at things from our own neat, unique perception, our perspective. And then my next book's on perception. So that Ooh. ties into a lot of this curiosity stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And if we, it, if we develop our emotional intelligence, which is what I wrote my dissertation on, uh, is emotional intelligence. And if we develop our empathy, which is a big part of emotional intelligence, we are able to look at things from different perspectives. And from an empathizing perspective means I'm able to put myself in Casey's shoes and go, huh, okay, that's how he sees that. Right. I, I think that helps us with a lot of the assumptions we make, that maybe he wouldn't see it that way. Maybe I could look at it that way. And, you know, mm -hmm. there's all these different things that we can do. And then as far as technology, I, like we, we mentioned a few already, you know, yeah. have days where you don't use as much technology, you have days where you use more. What can we learn that we haven't learned? What are we messing with that we're spending too much time? And how can we free up some time to learn different technologies and, and have kind of these debates? And then that's what we do when we create these action plans is spell out all these things that are bothering yeah. and fix them. And that's what I was really trying to do is fix everything and not just identify, well, I have high, I have high, uh, curiosity. That's great. Well, that doesn't tell me anything. Right. <laughs> what can I do about that? If it's going to be higher, could I make it How can I make it higher? So that's really important for technology and right. uh, for environment. Uh, really it's more recognizing which things, oh, so my parents saying that I should be a lawyer my whole life is why I felt like I had to go this way. Or right. when I'd ask them about this, they would say, I don't have time to go sit down. Or, you know, I mean, there's so many aspects of environment uh, that we, we let other people kind of influence us to the point where we want to be liked. You know, my friends like to do that, so I do that, you know? Right. I don't really like to do that. And you have to recognize there's some stuff you might like. Uh, in my family, it was like, you like to do that, and then they make you feel bad, you know? Right, yeah. I, go, I like to go rock climbing. They go, oh, you don't play tennis? You know, and whatever it was, you know, you, right. you're only supposed to do this one thing, not this one thing. And so you kind of go, oh, well, I guess this stuff. Okay, I won't do that when you're young. You don't but get the acceptance. You don't get that connection. You don't get that. No, yeah. that wasn't what everybody else did. Right. And so as I got older, I'm thinking, well, I don't like tennis. No. <laughs> I want to climb that rock wall. Right. Climb that rock wall. And so, you know, you just find the things that you like and you learn to recognize that this is why I felt uncomfortable doing this because yeah. I had that voice from all this other experiences. That's cool. This thing can help you at least identify that some of that garbage is going on inside your brain. I think a lot of people don't recognize a lot of it. Sure. I mean, even right now, I was going to ask you, you know, if you get a perfect score on your assessment, what do you do? You know, like anywhere close to I'm that. the best. Like, have you <laughs> taken it? Like, 
Oh yeah. And it tells you areas you need to work on as well. You're not like the well, master. Some of it is what held you back as children, and right. you know, and so it's not just today. It's it's an all across the board thing. And so you know, some of that stuff is recognition. And yeah, yeah I've not seen a perfect score. Okay, well maybe maybe I'll maybe let you know if I get there. I'm honest, you got to be honest when you take it. Oh, I will be. Yeah, yeah. No fear there. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> hashtag overshare let's just overshare <laughs> with millions of people shall we <laughs> hashtag overshare i love it. right for sure um okay so this is cool we've got we've got the the sense the fates are out there the behind the scenes kind of just thwarting the fun we're trying the, the curiosity the fun that sort of built in the gene mm-hmm. is, uh we want to just express that and, and we've got to watch right. out for these things that are behind the scenes that's right. That's right. And, and I think that we have to recognize that we always had that desire to express it and we've just got to let it go. And when I researched this, I looked at some of the research and curiosity and motivation and drive, and it all kind of ties into what we, we know to some extent. Uh, I've had Francesca Gino from, uh, from Harvard on my show, who's written a great HBR article about oh, curiosity. Well. And what's, it, what's it called? I can't remember the name of the title, but if you look up Francesca Gino, uh, okay. she's got a great article from HBR. Okay. Um, and it, it, it's one of just many people who, you know, uh, have written many articles and people who have been on the show who have talked about creativity and, and curiosity and all that of how this is so vital to us of mm-hmm. what we need to be developing. And if we know we've lost this in our childhood, I mean, it's, it's just a really, um, it's, it's such a common thing that you t- people talk about curiosity that when I started to write about this and I was able to get Steve Forbes to write, you know, his thing. Wow. The, the, I had he wrote the forward? Steve Forbes. He didn't write the forward. He wrote a, a blurb for the front. Oh, he wrote a blurb. Wow. Yeah. The forward was actually Keith Kroc, who's now undersecretary in, in Washington. Oh. He was the chairman and uh, he's the billionaire behind DocuSign. He's like the most wow. I just spent this weekend honoring him for Harvard in San Francisco for leader of the year. So he wrote the foreword and I, you know, I've had people like Vern Harnish and, you know, just believable people, uh, you know, Ken Fisher, big names have all written great reviews of the book because this sounds like it's something that should have been written. And yet nobody really has touched on this. They've talked on motivation and drive like Daniel Pink's book. Drive. It was great. I loved it. Loved his talk. Loved Daniel Pink. A lot of what he's talking about, this is like the spark before it, you know, how we get to that intrinsic motivation and drive. And same thing with uh, Daniel, uh, I'm I'm sorry, uh, Simon Sinek's work, you know, finding your why. It's that same, you have to spark that desire. And uh, I think probably the most important is Carol Dweck's work, uh, you know, of uh, mindset, if you have a fixed or an open mindset. And, you know, when she looked at kids that had that closed mindset, they just thought no more work's going to give them any extra benefit and they just didn't try any harder. Right. So I think we have to have this open mindset. We have to work on this drive and this finding our why, but it all starts with this curiosity, this spark turning on the oven so we don't get goo right and, and if you haven't tried anything and maybe you haven't done your why yet you know you haven't experienced it you haven't yeah you know it, you know as cool as that ted talk is it's a lot harder to try to figure out what your why is like when you're sort of like i mean yeah. I, i've spent years and then gotten really 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 close i think to it uh-huh. but it's not just a little easy oh 
Yeah, yeah. great. Find my why. <laughs> Click this button and you know, give Amazon $20 and you'll know your why. It's a questioning process. Yeah. And that means that requires curiosity. Yeah. Hmm. And so when I asked Francesca Gino, you know, what comes first, curiosity or this, curiosity or that, she says curiosity comes first. And I ask anybody who's a creativity expert, they say the same thing. It doesn't matter who I've had on my show, whatever the, the thing is that there's there level of expertise i ask them what comes first and they all say curiosity you know and so it's really so critical and right now everybody's trying to be innovative everybody wants to be the next uber everybody wants to yeah innovative just seems like such a corporate word right but that's you know that everybody wants to be relevant too if they're consultants they don't want to keep giving discs they don't want to keep giving and nothing wrong with this but everybody's kind of done this and we know we we it helps can we talk about those for a second because i used to be a um like I, I've done a, I love those. And I, and I started by um, Strength Finder. I was big into Strength Finder. I wrote about both of those in one of my books. Oh, did you? Okay. And, mm-hmm. and you know, my, um, the first time I took it, because they changed on me, but uh-huh. the first time I took it, number one was Woo. And yeah. until then, I had no idea. I just uh-huh. thought, oh, I kind of like going to these networking events, but <laughs> I, I kind of need a, like a, a uh-huh. vodka to get really going but i was like oh woo interesting so i, I let that sort of go and, and yeah. it was great later on it they changed it on me and they got rid of my woo and they, they got rid of your woo. they put something else there and i was like no bring it back but yeah. uh, what's your take on these different tests because that you know it's sort of the background for me was strength finder and then uh i used to disc everyone i met yeah. it's great um, i love disc it's great saying- in sales and yeah. then um Really gotten into Colby after that. Um, really big fan They're of Colby. So what's your take on all that universe of? Um, you know, I wrote a book called It's Not You, It's Your Personality. <laughs> yeah? yeah? Yeah, a long time ago. And That's it was awesome. my daughter. We wrote it together. And so I wrote some of it. And then she put it into young people irreverent speak. Because my Asian at the time thought it should be like skinny bitch, where it was kind of sarcastic. Kind yeah. Of, really um, yeah it it was meant for very young adults at the point at that point but what it was was to explain all the different personality assessments and why you kind of need to know this stuff and what it's trying to tell you that's awesome yeah and so i love it all i mean i'm a you know di i I know i'm a est i'm a di too that's why i I can hang out with you yeah we can we can um so you know i know you know what we are but and I think that's what was really interesting to me is one of the first ones I had come certified in after getting um, certified in emotional intelligence, I became qualified to give the Myers-Briggs assessment. And some people don't really like that one, but I still think it was very good for discovering what you are not. Mm. You know what I mean? Whether you're, if you're only looking at things from your own perspective, and we're back to empathy again with emotional intelligence, sure. you, you go, I, I remember they took us and they put us on in a room and like all the... T's were on one side and the F's were on another side. So if anybody doesn't know uh, the Myers-Briggs, it's a dichotomy of personality types. And so you're either a thinker or a feeler, for example. So you make your decisions based on your, on facts and figures, or you make them based on your values, basically. So the people who were high T's went on one side of the room and the people who were high F's went on the other side of the room. Mm -hmm. And I remember they were talking about to the F's, well, they said to everybody, they said, well, how many of you really appreciate if somebody break, bakes you cookies and brings them to you and you're, you know, and all the F's are just like, yeah, you know, and, and all the T's were looking at each other, why do you want cookies? We, we couldn't, you know, we just didn't want cookies. We couldn't figure that out. Right. And then you go, oh, okay. So 
now it helps me to know that it, if I'm with an F, if I bring them cookies, it means so much to them. Right. But it didn't mean anything to me, but I have to act like it means a lot to me. If somebody brings me cookies, if they're an F, because it means so much to them. Right. So, you know, I think you get that with the extrovert introvert a lot. Of, I mean, that's why Susan Cain's book was so huge because mm. we got to look at what the importance was of knowing the extrovert versus introvert thing. I mean, you hear, everybody knows extroverts like me, they never shut up, right? But they don't right. know the introvert is, you know, that kills them. And yeah. they don't want to be around that all the time. It, it drains them. Yeah. And they have so many things that they bring, but then the extrovert's talking all over them and they can't say anything. So, you know, I think a lot of that is what I loved about taking the personality assessments. It's just learning what I am not and what you are and why it's important what you are because it, when we put people on teams you give them legos right in a team yeah. and if the team was were all the same people they bore they'd build the most boring house ever right True. but you give them a, legos in a team of diverse everybody somebody different you yeah. think you get this castle the drawbridge and you know <laughs> totally totally so what you want in the workplace right yeah, yeah. no absolutely um I don't, have you heard of, so are you familiar with Colby or kind of? Yeah, I've never, I've never been certified in that though. I actually went and got certified. I was like so into it. Um, but what I, it was interesting to me about it is so far, it doesn't change on you. When, well, that's like Myers-Briggs. It doesn't ever change. Myers-Briggs doesn't change. Okay. Um, and the, the only thing I, I, I like the ones that have the, the number answers uh -huh. more so than the, like almost like Boolean one or the other with Myers-Briggs, because I think for me, I was like a, uh, at least with the new 16 personalities, it kind of gives you the spectrum to show you. Yeah. Um, but when I right. looked up the EN or whoever I was supposed to be, yeah. I saw this really happy-go-lucky, this girl on, on video who was like, ah, and I'm kind of <laughs> like that, but I think too a little bit too much to be just completely like that. Uh -huh. So I looked at one of my things, it was like 51% over here, like 55%. Well, you know, you're so. really near the middle like that. Yeah. What you're saying is there's a scale, there's a line, and he, you're right close right to Right close so to the middle. You could kind of go one way or the other every time you take it because you're so close to the middle. And right. then you're looking at a different description of what your personality type. If you looked at mine, my TF, I had 100% T, zero F. So I'm not changing. I'm all so the you're way. A, you're a T. So I don't yeah. send you cookies. Don't send me cookies. Don't want them. Okay. <laughs> no cookies. No cookies. But uh, I thought that was so funny. But wow. I do like presence, but I base all my decisions on facts and figures more than I do on my personal sense of what's, you know, my moral decision kind of thing. I sure. think I'm very logical is what that's telling me. And I think that when you're around somebody who's really emotional, I have to be, okay, that's not, that's opposite. I got to think, you know, you have to put yourself in that perception of yeah. you know, moving my empathy to understand that. And I think it was something that really fascinated me to look at all these personality types. And that's why I created this Curiosity Code Index because I've been right. certified in all these different things. And that's why I'm creating my uh, one for perception as well. Because I, I think that we like to measure the unmeasurable. I agree, yeah. Behavioral things that seem not quantitative, right? Right. And so- It's like order uh, from the chaos. It's order from chaos. Yeah. And it gives us, oh, here I am. I could go over here, I could go over here, and this is right. what, you know, this is a path now. And it, it, it helps us really visualize what we need to do to get better. And without that, we're just going, oh, all over. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, 
you know that one thing you mentioned about that the diverse team uh-huh. um colby has an exercise um to do with a group called the glop shop and uh-huh. there's a video on you have you seen it or heard of it um, i i'd have it's, to see it you I, may have even uh, seen it in some other yeah, I practices probably, bringing it in yeah. uh, but what literally what happens is people all of their colbys have been taken and then you 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 hand pick like three or four of those people send them out of the room huh? and you tell everyone in the room that they're going to have those people come in and they're going to have like two minutes to build a toy with this bag of things uh-huh. um, an educational toy and then they're going to have one minute to pitch it uh-huh. and then you and then the, the the person leading the group actually starts telling people what's going to happen what each particular person is going to do based on their Colby kind of predicts the future. And I had a chance to go out there and do the training and Kathy Colby herself was actually doing um, Mm -hmm. that exercise. And she sent me out of the room, but I was like, I know, but I watched the video. Do you still want to, she's like, yeah, get out of here. So she sent me out of the room, but because there's two minutes, there's not enough time to like analyze. You just go with your instinct. And and so when we came in, she told us the thing and then they're like, go, I immediately find this little, furry piece of green like fur like Uh almost like leprechaun beard Uh or something like that i immediately pick it up i hold it to my face like a beard and then i put it on top of my head the whole class starts laughing and i thought it was because i was funny you would do is it exactly i thought it was because i was funny no 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 i maybe i was funny but more importantly kathy had said casey will come in he'll immediately see this green thing he will Uh pick it up and hold it to either his face or his head and I literally did that. <laughs> That's great. That but but to your point, it showed like a diverse group would mm-hmm. actually do different things. Whereas if it's just oh, yeah. all the same, same person, you're right. missing some strengths. Well, that's the problem, though, is a lot of people try to get onto teams where everybody's the same, and then you end up with really boring products. But if you put everybody on a diverse team, then you got to deal with everybody's personality conflict. That's true. So that's why all this is so that's important. True. When you're asking, should we give this? Should we give? That's why we should give these because then you understand not only what you are, which you should hopefully know, uh, you know, understand yeah. what somebody else is, right? Right. And well, how that's different from what you are, and so that's what I think is the true value in in giving those. So I have disc on my site. I have other assessments oh, on cool. my emotional intelligence on my site. I think those are really important, especially if you've never done them, right? But I think what my CCI is, is completely different. It's not putting you into a box. It's not saying for that type or this type or this type. They're saying, here's 36 issues. Here's where you can improve. Yeah. Actionable. So it sounds like there's like to do's. That's cool. And it's like, this is what you need to do if you want to be more engaged, innovative, productive at work, you know, and this is, it's a win-win for everybody. Because right now, think about if you got 50% of the jobs that are going to be going, oh, AI, little guy over here is going to do it for you, right? Well, where can I go? Well, wouldn't it be nice to go somewhere where I'm engaged? Well, because right now, Gallup tells us 500 billion is being lost because nobody's engaged, right? We have less than a third of the workplace engaged. Well, now we can find out, oh, this is where we could put people because they're interested in this and they've never looked at this before. And they found this is much more what makes them excited to go to work every day. Right. Yeah. That's crazy. Who are you? How Who did, are you? How did you become this sage of, of all things emotional intelligence and curiosity? And uh, uh, Who am I? Take us back. Like little Diane days. Did you always know you're going to be a PhD in curiosity? Always and always <laughs> From day one. Had no idea. Uh, I was uh, kind of like a firstborn because my sister was five years older and my, sister, yeah. my brother was eight and a half years older. 
so I kind of was left on my own to do and discover because I didn't really have a close sibling to play with, you know? Sure. And uh, so I, my, my father was born legally blind, basically was blind. And wow. my mom was a housewife. Nobody worked. It was a really strange household. <laughs> so how does I, that work? It was really strange. Well, there was a Hamilton shoe company in, in St. Louis. And so the okay. Hamiltons were wealthy enough that they could take care of my father. So he didn't have to work. And wow. so he didn't work, but he was very motivated and driven to do a lot of weird things. Like he would write books and poetry and kind of that kind of stuff. Well, shout but out to he, the Hamiltons. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. created the environment. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so he 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 was pretty impressive for somebody who really he really was basically blind, and he'd still wow. play golf, and he would ride horses with me. He would do stuff. He wasn't just you know idle. But he was what I did get from him was his multitasking ability to do a lot of things at once. Like he would have a book on for the blind uh, playing on the record, and then he would have a the newspaper he'd try to read up close to his face, and he'd have the the sports on the television station, and he'd have like sure. seven things going all at once. Wow. So I tend to do a little of that. Do you? Uh, yeah. Can you handle like all the different? I can do a lot of it. I'll have, you should see how many buttons are open on my computer right now. For I bet. You have like a thousand tabs? A lot. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> and I jump back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Sure. I, I work a lot because I work for a bunch of different schools. But uh, so any, that's kind of my background of my family. We were very um, fortunate that, that we could live that way, but I yeah. never had that, um, influence of people who really were business people because the Hamiltons all lived in St. Louis and I lived in Arizona. So I basically was raised with none, none of that to see. Mm. And I, um, but I always had this sense that I liked business. And when I was little, my um, mother would give me her old um, checkbooks and I just thought that was the coolest thing. You could write fake checks and <laughs> it's a wonder I didn't come a, become a forger because I love that. I was going to say, it's a wonder. Yeah. Do you but ever use like, those, you know, see if they work at the store? I cashed a few. I'm kind of bummed. <laughs> but, um, I, I was, I had Diane's diner as a kid. I created yeah. a, a cook. I would cook lunch for people in a business kind of setting. And I, I, I always wanted to. Um, like a real one or is it like a fake you know, one? That's what I called it. And oh, okay. I, I made three things. I think tuna sandwich and a maybe soup and peanut butter or something, you know, nothing too exciting. Nice. Yeah. That, uh, you know, what do you, can you do when you're eight or whatever I was? And uh, well, <laughs> was everything my, really when you're eight, right? No one's told right. you no enough. Right. I didn't get told no a lot. So I, I pretty much did. And I, I think a lot of influence for me environmentally was a teacher I had in uh, grade school. Okay. About seventh and eighth grade, both. I had a great algebra teacher. This guy was crazy, man. I loved him. Actually, I dedicated my last book, you see, to Mr. Tate. That's who that was. Really? He, climb up on the chalkboard and yell at the chalkboard. You know, you'd have an algebraic problem on there. And it would, he'd be yelling at a number saying, you, you, get off there. And he'd scream at the board to get kids interested in math. And it was the coolest thing ever. Agreed. Then, You're so yeah. used to just falling asleep on your elbow. Yeah, especially algebra, right? He'd get oh, the yeah. can on his head and he'd go sit in the closet and he'd talk from the closet. <laughs> he was just the greatest guy ever. Oh, and man. Love algebra to the point that it got me, you know, just kind of excited about learning, I think. And uh, um, there was just no rules to how we taught, which wow. was fun. And he inspired me quite a bit. And uh, later I just had a lot of great mentors and people um, who would say, but you'd be great at this, or you'd be good mm. at, you know. 
and it led me into being a pharmaceutical rep for, I worked for AstraZeneca for 20 years almost. Well, you went to school, did you go to school for business? I went or? to school for business. I'm one of those people, I knew it was going to be business from day one, never changed my major. I, I graduated high school in three years and then I got into college. I went right through, I did it all at night because I was working. Oh, no kidding. Right out. And then I went and it, later my company paid for my master's and then, um, then later I just thought, well, I kind of, that was fun. I'll just see how hard it is to do my doctorate. Did that, wrote my dissertation on emotional intelligence, and that kind of, I fell into that kind of funny because uh, I wanted to do it on sales because I knew sales from being in pharmaceuticals and everything, and I was in real estate. You did that before the dissertation? Right, yeah. I was working for AstraZeneca and... And so wow. uh, I left AstraZeneca before I got my doctorate. And what was that like, though, do, being a, like a, a pharma rep? Because I think we hear a lot about that. <laughs> was it, was it tough? I liked like, AstraZeneca. I just didn't like being a pharmaceutical rep. Yeah. Uh, they were a great company. Uh, I just don't like to drive. I'm a very um, administrative, in front of the computer kind of person, you know? Sure. So I get so excited if I had to do my expense reports, and everybody think I was nuts, you know? They're like, What? Wow, you're a good friend to have. Tell you what, I'll do the drive for you. you, you here's my expense report. We're even. I find the sales though. I like the sales part, so I ended up being yeah. an inside salesperson later in the pharmacy. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, mortgages. I went into mortgages and real estate and different things after that. But um, that is when later I I went for my dissertation. Uh, I went to study. Um, sales, actually, I thought I'd write about sales, but wow. I wanted to find out what impacted sales. Yeah. I had this really jerk of a professor. I had him only for like one class for like one day. I talked to him on the phone and I dropped him immediately because he was nuts. He was kind of like, peace, I'm out. <laughs> he, was, he was awful. He was like the worst guy because I got on the phone with him and he goes, welcome to the cave. And he goes, I'm going to eat you up like jello pudding. Like this is going to be the worst class you're never going to get through. It's going to be horrible. And I'm like, who are you? You know? <laughs> and so um, he wow. this class that you had to pick what you're going to write about. Right. And so he asked me what I was going to write about. I said, well, I thought I might write about sales and I don't know how I put it, but he misunderstood me and said, Oh, emotional intelligence and impact on sales. That's a great idea. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's what I meant. What he said. Whatever. Yeah. That was so good. So I went and looked at, I dropped him within five minutes of the phone call because of how crazy he was. And then, I looked it up and like, yeah, that would be great. And I, and that ended that. And so I wish I remember what that guy's name was. I almost want to thank him for being crazy and helping me, but um, I can't remember his name. Now, now you, you've had crazy teachers, you know, yeah. Mr. Tate, you know, yeah. shout out. Um, yeah. But this guy was crazy too, but and just not like a, he wasn't on your side kind of thing. He's just Is a, you know what? He's so kind of, I've had teachers will do this to me. They'll go, yeah, you just did that too fast. You need to slow down and take some time to turn it in. So I'll do that. What I'll do is I'll do it just as fast, but then I'll hold it over off to the side for a couple of weeks and then I'll turn it in and they'll go, yeah. oh, so how much better that was? He's one of those kind of guys, you know, Got that it. you have to work on his kind of speed. Or yeah. they, oh, I spent weeks on this. Yeah, and, they'll, and you'll go, see, if you just listen to me, that's exactly what you need to do. And right. so- was, Sounds like new math, but anyways. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I've had, I had one teacher who, who I, I talked so much in class in college that he said, the class ends in two weeks. You have an A, please don't come back. <laughs> oh, I wish I had that. That sounds great. <laughs> so I've had a lot of teachers that have influenced me in some way or another. Right. So 
so oh yeah so the dissertation was on sales and emotional intelligence it was the yeah it was the relationship between sales performance and emotional intelligence and mortgage sales it was like 200 pages or so I, you know, it was, it, it's a lot of work. It, it was interesting. I mean, you got to survey all these people and, yeah. people, you know, but and then it taught me a lot. So I ended up being a doctoral chair later because uh, I've taught more than a thousand business courses online. Wow. So I, I still teach right now. I mean, I, I teach all the time. Where and, at? A lot of different schools. I, I was the MBA program chair at the Forbes School of Business. I still teach with them as a wow. social I teach at Grand Canyon University at Thomas Edison. I teach at uh, Embry-Riddle, Grantham, Britt Baker, wow. I a lot of different universities and uh, University Advancing Technology. I mean, there's so many of them. And uh, I, I think that it's really interesting to teach for different universities and different topics because I learned so much. Right. So I'm curious because I, what I do for a living is just kind of learn from my education and my teaching and learn from my radio show because I've interviewed close yeah. to a thousand people on my radio show. Totally. And so all of these people, all of it's like my dad thing where you've got these seven things going on in your head during the day. But I, what I take what I learn and then I share it and I write books and I speak and I consult. And so I'm just a curious person and I want to share it. That's kind of what I do for a living. Yeah. That curiosity is like the first half sharing it really yeah. kind of brings it full circle. sounds like. Yeah. It really does. I mean, it's no fun to keep it all to yourself. You got to kind of figure out, oh, look what I, I mean, people too often have to reinvent the wheel because people are in these silos holding yeah. on to information. That doesn't do anybody any good. No, not at all. So back to that dissertation, because people would hate on me if I didn't address it. You know, so can you, can you summarize the 200 pages and, and, and years of work into anything, any kind of interesting takeaways on the sales and emotional side? You know, the executive summary. Not really for, what you would it's not anything too surprising. We know that okay. emotional intelligence impacts sales. I think I picked uh, Baron's EQI, which is a different assessment than some people oh. use uh, because it had stress tolerance in it. And I was looking at salespeople. And so I really wanted to see how much sales was impacted by certain things. Um, it, it was a very, you know, it's not a huge long-term study. It was typical of a dissertation. So, sure. you know, it, there's so many studies out there, but basically emotional intelligence helps. And in so many, we found it's relationship to sales and leadership and everything else. So my data went along with what you would hope to see. Yeah. And I've had a lot of other people who I've helped get through their doctoral dissertation process who studied emotional intelligence as well. It's because they went to me for a mentor since I've done that. So I've seen a lot of great studies with emotional intelligence. I like the EQI for that particular mm. thing, but I think, you know, Goldman's been on my show. I've had amazing, Daniel Goldman's one of the biggest names in emotional intelligence, and it was great wow. to have him on the show. So uh, his work is just amazing. And so talking to him was one of the greatest people to have on. Um, was it kind of a surreal moment just to be? It was, you know, and the godfather of emotional are, intelligence. You know, John Cotter, I've taught a thousand courses probably where they, everybody cites John Cotter. Right. Um, so, yeah. So we, I've had him. I've had Albert Bandura, second to Freud probably in psychology. Wow. Yeah. He's almost 94, he, pretty soon. I was Does just he have an accent? invited me over. No, he's American. He was actually <laughs> Canadian, I think, originally. Uh, he's almost 94. He's just the top. He's the guy that... If wow. you're, like a bear, then you'd move a closer, one step closer to the bear, another step till you're eventually like sleeping with the bear kind of thing. Right. Okay. Cause so he's, he's very, um, just the genius in psychology, you know? And so I've had some of the greatest minds from, uh, you know, 
Paul Elfman, Elfman from uh, the Lie to Me show on television to, you know, mm. just all these different people who have done, you know, with facial expressions and, and different things that they've studied. Yeah. And uh, so I, I get to learn from everybody. And that's what I love all day long, just doing that. I, I think podcasts are definitely a, a, a great tool for feeding yeah. curiosity. And I think, you know, I, I try to tell everyone they should do a podcast, but I think the more curious of us, um, it, it's, yeah. It, and you know, what's interesting is it kind of is an ego check too, because you, you don't even talk the most, right? The people you're talking to are the ones that end up talking the most and you just get right. to learn whether you're an extrovert or not. But yeah, just all the information coming from all the directions is amazing. Yeah, that's why this is so interesting when I'm on other people's shows. Because in my show, you probably don't believe me, but I don't talk. <laughs> oh, no, I understand you completely cause, because I don't either, right? Like, totally, totally. I mean, it's a little more conversational, but um, but yeah, it's a lot of learning. Um, uh-huh. It is. And, and I, sharing I with other people. It. Yeah, yeah. So question for you. If you, this is a, you know, it's an amazing journey. If you were to hop in a little time machine, you can take your pick, any time machine from Back to the Future, one, two, or three. Um, you, any one of those time machines, the train or just the original DeLorean, and you go back in the future to you just getting out of school or maybe you know, whatever time frame, right? I'd say the beginning of your career, whenever that was. I know you're working throughout that. But if you could go back in time to maybe when you first really got started, what, what would you tell yourself? What kind of advice or wisdom would you impart to yourself you know it would be the delorean probably just so you know uh, i agree but- <laughs> yeah it's a good one uh you know i asked i used to ask people a lot would they change anything and different things and i'm and i'm with the the thinking that i wouldn't change anything that right. i'm happy with. well you can't let's say it's against the rules you can only tell yourself something you can only tell yourself something yeah. so i'm not sorry the way it turned out but i i am because because some of the worst things that have happened to you actually teach you the best lessons agreed some- I mean, so Agreed. when it's going yeah. well, you don't even know why. You're, yeah, right. It's going yeah. well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think though, I wish I knew that I. It's not so scary to try certain things. I think when you're young, I think you're so fearful of failure that you don't surround yourself and look for people to be mentors like you should. I think mentorship's huge. I'm on a board for a global, global mentoring network that uh, I think is going to be the next phase of things. We're going to see a lot more mentoring coming up. And I think back in the 80s, when I'm you know, thinking about what was going on back then, your, your options weren't like what they are now. And so you didn't even open up your mind to the potential you could create a unicorn company. I mean, it's not even a thought process because there wasn't even computers. But I mean, I used to sell System 36s in the mid 80s. Wow. And, um, that was, I mean, before that, I was putting cards into computers. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. Punch cards. And- punch cards. We had punch Yikes. cards. I had to program my calculus on punch cards at night, you know, when I was going to school and nobody had, you know, I mean, we had Commodores eventually, but there was nothing. Right. So I would look, I would tell myself, wait till you see what's coming. I think, you know, because just get on board early, get on board with whatever the next, you know, social media that, you know, don't wait, just, you know, embrace it because, change is exciting i think and yeah open up your mind to some possibilities you know not to put words in your mouth but it sounds like you would kind of address some of the fate we talked about earlier and just kind of reassure yourself around that to just be more curious and don't be afraid to be curious 
I think it's just all those things that hold people back. And if you figure out what those are and you say, okay, well, what's the, you know, this is kind of boring if you just do this. Yeah. So much more. people regret what they don't do, not what they do. And, you know, and if you could just think about that a little bit, what are you, why, what bells ringing that you're standing up and sitting down for and recognize that? And why? Yeah. Are you, yeah. I like that. People, you know, regret what they don't do as opposed right. to what they've done. Yeah, right. for sure. Oh, I should have done that. I should have done this. Uh, yeah. you know, all those opportunities you could have, who knows what would have happened. You don't know. You never know yeah. what could have happened. Yeah. yeah. Fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah. So this is, this is great. Are, are you going to be off to doing some climbing soon or? You know, I actually was in a rock climbing contest one, a couple times in Arizona. Um, really? An outdoor one. Yeah. I usually climb if I hardly ever climb anymore, but I would rock climb in a gym. Cause I like to be in an indoor gym more than indoor controlled aspect, but they talked to me, my buddies at the gym talked me into doing a couple outdoor rock climbing competitions. And I, I came in third, but there's only five in the group. I can't tell you that. So that no. means third for the bottom two, but there was only not too many older women do this. You know what I mean? So I'm like, sure. oh, and it's hard. <laughs> it, you know, was it like, like, in, like a, like a circle, like you're inverted and you're hanging and yeah, I do that more in the gym than I would outside. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's fun though. No, my, I, you know, I don't do a lot. I mean, I do a lot of bad things badly. I should say I could play golf. I could rock climb. I could swim. I could do a lot of things, but I, I don't do anything really that well, but I like to try a lot of different things. Well, I mean, I can relate to that though. It's that curiosity of, of trying something. Right. Um, yeah. I recently tried uh, one of those, uh, there's like a boxing thing now with fitness, right? So I, I tried this title boxing thing, which was a complete ass kicker. And then I tried this nine round thing, which was more of a circuit boxing. And I thought afterward, you know what? I might be kind of fun just going around Nashville, New Hampshire, where I'm at, just trying all of the different wacky fitness programs just to try them all. I like you know, that. Just the curiosity of it. I, you know, I like that. I did that with uh, like scuba diving and zip lining and I tried a lot of things just to see how terrifying it would be. And it's surprisingly terrifying, by the way, to do yeah. both of those things. <laughs> what about skydiving? I haven't done that yet, but it's Would you? Um, definitely it's on the list. I, okay. I, I, um, I, you know, I don't like Ferris wheels. I don't like being up high on something and stuck. Right. And falling. Right. I, I don't mind... I think it's just that you're stuck. You can't, if you don't like it, you can't get off. You got to wait till you land, you know? <laughs> it's funny. You say, I'm with you. I actually don't like roller coasters, but I love skydiving. I do. Because I, on I a roller coaster, like, you're in, like you're going. Yeah, you're in. It's like parasailing. I wasn't real crazy about It's like a huh. ski lift. I don't like all those, but I do them all just because that's the only way you get to the top of the mountain to ski. So you know, right. <laughs> yeah. You know, you've got some good drop zones out, out your way and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, um, it might be something to try out. I will say it's the most freeing thing ever. And, uh, and you, there's double parachutes. So it's not about dying. And also you don't feel like you're falling either, which is what really got me. Indoor sky. I did the indoor sky everything. And that just felt like wind beating on. That's what the real one feels like too. They both feel the exact same. Yeah. I was surprised by that. You know, in my mind, I guess I thought it'd be more gentle, like you're floating in space kind of thing. You know, it's just whipping at you. It's kind of violent. Yeah. That wind going like 120 miles an hour. Like, what is that? I wasn't expecting it at all. But yeah, so, did you I did the indoor skydiving? Does that count for anything? <laughs> that counts. That counts. Not just a little bit of that scary factor of doing oh, the real thing. That's fun. They let you go up for about a second and they pull you down, though. It wasn't yeah. Fun. 
Yeah. yeah. This is this is awesome. I, I could talk to you all day, but I know we got to get you out of here. So we're, we're going to be in any events next coming up, or should we check yeah, you out anywhere? Thinkers 50 in London. Uh, oh, from, yeah, Monday, which is like the top minds in business. I mean, it's what's the, it called? The Academy Awards of Business Thinkers. It's called Thinkers 50 wow. in London. I, you got it. My month was just crazy. I, I started off with Wozniak here in Phoenix. The next week I was with Steve Forbes in San Diego. Then last week I was with uh, Keith Kroc from DocuSign in San Francisco. You know, I mean, it, just the amount of people. I mean, I, and I was in New York the same week with Jerry Hall and the Prince's Trust. So I, I do a lot of traveling with different people. Um, they're all doing some amazing stuff. So it was just so much excitement. But a lot of people from my show will actually be at uh, Thinkers 50 because it's just the people who have won for the most innovative, creative business wow. ideas out there. And I, I know Oleg Kolov and a lot of people who've been on my show um, are, will be there. And I'm going to do that. And then after that, I think I'm going to uh, I'm speaking, I'm going to an event here in Phoenix and then a uh, Reed Hoffman thing uh, in California in January. Wow. So it, it's, it's fun. I get to talk to all these really cool people. Yeah. I was going to say your curiosity is uh, the green lights. You're good. You're, yeah. you're, you're hitting that number. That's awesome. Well, they're, you know, it's just, it's just so much fun to talk to people who are just super smart. Just surround 100%. yourself with people who are smarter than you are and you'll have a much more interesting time. I'll tell 100%. You. And you'll, you'll never run out of things to talk about. <laughs> never, never. It's uh. great. Amazing. Yeah. Where can we connect with you? Where would you like us to reach out? LinkedIn, Twitter, what's good? I'm on all the social media sites at Dr. Diane Hamilton. So that's D-R-D-I-E-H-A-M-I-L-T-O-N. So it's just my name and you can reach me on Instagram, Facebook, you know, Facebook, all those, but I'm mostly on uh, LinkedIn and some Twitter too. Okay. Uh, but uh, my website is drdianehamilton.com, but you can also go to curiositycode.com if you just want the curiosity information. But you can get there through drdianehamilton.com as well, which on my site, you can find, you know, my radio show. We get it transcribed so you can read it. Nice. Um, kind of nice because it links to a lot of things that we talk about. And all my consulting and speaking and anything, if you want to become certified to give the Curiosity Code Index or if you want to take training in it, I mean, everything's there. Amazing. And the Perception Book, that's coming out or is that out? Yeah, it's out next year. Next year. Next year. What? In probably get on your mailing list and... Yeah, you can find out more. Yeah, you can see it on my mailing list. You want more information? Everything's, you know, you can get me through my site. Everything is there. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on here. This is just so much fun. I mean, learning, but also just connecting and meeting you and hearing your experiences growing up and all those things. You're so sweet. And I really enjoyed being on your show. We had fun talking the last time. So I was really excited. To be I on. know, right? At least we record <laughs> this one. So yeah, that's, <laughs> that's always the problem, right? You're like, yeah. Yeah. That was the best prep call I've ever had. And you're like, ah, no one gets to hear it but us. Oh, well. Yeah, but this was fun. We got to do it again. Agreed. Agreed. And we'll have to keep me a loop on that perception book so we can to maybe talk about it as it's getting close to coming out. And we can check that's it out. That's co-authors with that one. So that's going to be fun. We'll see. That'll be really cool. Yeah. yeah. So thank you so much for being on here. For those listening, if you learned something, and I, I know you did because I literally have two pages of notes over here. Uh, <laughs> share this with someone else. Help them be curious. And be a thought leader to even just one or two people by sharing this episode and or the notes or the links or even um, Diane's URLs and kind of get, maybe send someone a book too for Christmas. Mm -hmm. That'd be a cool idea. But uh, thank you again, Diane, for, for coming on here. This has been a, a blast. Thank you. And for everyone out there, this has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time.
All right. A big thank you to today's sponsors. Cheshire Impact, helping marketers and sales win, maximizing the use of Pardot and Salesforce. And a big thank you to Qualified.com, the number one live chat and chat bot platform for Salesforce and Pardot. Remember the giveaway. If you have Salesforce Pardot and you want a free copy of my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed, then you go over to Qualified.com, engage in the chat, do a demo, and tell them that Casey sent you, and that book will be on its way to your door. All right. We'll see you all in the next one.